Why are there so many Jewish lawyers? At the beginning of Devarim Moshe, Moses reviews the history of the Israelites' experience in the wilderness, beginning with the appointment of leaders throughout the people, heads of hundreds, of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. He continues, And I charged your judges at that time, hear the disputes between your people and judge fairly, whether the case is between two Israelites or between an Israelite and a foreigner residing among you. Do not show partiality in judgment. Hear both small and great alike. Don't be afraid of anyone, for judgment belongs to God. Bring me any case too hard for you, and I will hear it. So, at the outset of the book in which he summarized the entire history of Israel and its destiny as a holy people, Moses already gave priority to the administration of justice, something he would memorably summarize in a later chapter in the words Tzedek, Tzedek Tirdof, justice, justice shall you pursue. The words for justice, Tzedek and Mishpat, are repeated recurring themes of the book. The root tzedek appears 18 times in Devarim, the root shafat, mishpat, justice, judging, 48 times. Justice is seen throughout the generations to lie at the very heart of Jewish faith. Albert Einstein memorably spoke of the pursuit of knowledge for its own sake, an almost fanatical love of justice, and the desire for personal independence. These are the features of the Jewish tradition which make me thank my lucky stars that I belong to it. In the course of a television program I made for the BBC, I asked Hazel Cosgrove, the first woman to be appointed as a judge in Scotland and an active member of the Edinburgh Jewish community, what had led her to choose law as a career. And she replied as if it was self-evident, because Judaism teaches justice, justice shall you pursue. One of the great Jewish lawyers of our time, Alan Dershowitz, is about to bring out a book about Abraham, whom he sees as the first Jewish lawyer. In his words, the patriarch of the legal profession, a defense lawyer for the damned, who is willing to risk everything, even the wrath of God, in defense of his clients. In other words, the founder not just of monotheism, but of a long line of Jewish lawyers. Dershowitz gives a vivid description of Abraham's prayer on behalf of the people of Sodom, shall the judge of all the earth not do justice, as a courtroom drama in which Abraham acts as a lawyer for the citizens of the town and God is, as it were, the accused. This was the forerunner of a great many such episodes in Torah and Tanakh in which the prophets argued the cause of justice with God and with the people. In modern times, Jews have reached prominence as judges in America, among them Brandeis, Cardozo and Felix Frankfurter. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was the first Jewish woman to be appointed to the Supreme Court. In Britain, between 1996 and 2008, two of Britain's three Lord Chief Justices were Jewish. The late Peter Taylor and Lahavdil Menchaim Lechaim Harry Wolf. In Germany in the early 1930s, those Jews were 0.7 of 1% of the population. They represented 16.6% of lawyers and judges. One feature of Tanakh is noteworthy in this context. Throughout the Hebrew Bible, some of the most intense encounters between the prophets and God are represented as 
courtroom dramas. Sometimes, as in the case of Moses, Jeremiah, and Habakkuk, the plaintiff is humanity or the Jewish people. In the case of Job, it's an individual who has suffered unfairly. The accused is God himself. The story is told by Elie Wiesel of how a case was brought against God by Jewish prisoners in a concentration camp during the Holocaust. At other times, it is God who brings a case against the Jewish, against the children of Israel. The word the Hebrew Bible uses for these unique dialogues between heaven and earth is riv, which means a lawsuit. And it derives from the idea that at the heart of the relationship between God and humanity, both in general and specifically in relation to the Jewish people, is brit, is covenant, that is, a binding agreement, a mutual pledge based on obedience to God's law on the part of humans and on God's promise of loyalty and love on the part of heaven. Thus, either side can, as it were, bring the other to court on the grounds of failure to fulfill their undertakings. Three features mark Judaism as a distinctive faith. First is the radical idea that when God reveals himself to humans, he does so in the form of law. In the ancient world, God was power. In Judaism, God is order, and order presupposes law. In the natural world of cause and effect, order takes the form of scientific law. But in the human world, where we have free will, order takes the form of moral law. Hence, the name of the Mosaic books, Torah, which means direction, guidance, teaching, but above all, law. In fact, the most basic meaning of the most fundamental principle of Judaism, Torah min hashamayim, Torah from heaven, is that God, not humans, is the source of binding law. Second, we are charged with being interpreters of the law. That's our responsibility as heirs and guardians of Torah Sheba'al Peh, the oral tradition. The phrase in which Moses describes the voice the people heard at the revelation at Sinai, kol gadol velo yasaf, is understood by the commentators in two seemingly contradictory ways. On the one hand, it means the voice that was never heard again. On the other, it means the voice that did not cease, that is, the voice that was ever heard again. There is, though, no contradiction. The voice that was never heard again is the one that represents the written Torah. The voice that is ever heard again is that of the oral Torah. The written Torah is min hashamayim, from heaven. But about the oral Torah, the Talmud insists, lo bashamayim he, it is not in heaven. Hence, Judaism is a continuing conversation between the giver of the law in heaven and the interpreters of the law down here on earth. That's what part of the, what the Talmud means when it says that kol dayan shedan din emet lamitato, every judge who delivers a true judgment becomes a partner with the Holy One, blessed be he, in the work of creation. And third, fundamental to Judaism is education, and fundamental to Jewish education is instruction in Torah, that is, the law. That's what Isaiah meant when he said, Listen to me, you ho no justice, the people in whose heart is my law. Do not fear the reproach of men, nor be afraid of their insults. 
It's what Jeremiah meant when he said, This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. It's what Josephus meant when he said 1900 years ago, Should any one of our nation be asked about our laws, he will repeat them as readily as his own name. The result of our thorough education in our laws from the very dawn of intelligence is that they are, as it were, were engraved on our souls. To be a Jewish child is to be, in the British phrase, learned in the law. We are a nation of constitutional lawyers. Why? Because Judaism is not just about spirituality. It's not simply a code for the salvation of the soul. It's a set of instructions for the creation of what the late Rabbi Aaron Lichtenstein called societal beatitude. It's about bringing God into the shared spaces of our collective life. That needs law. Law that represents justice, honoring all humans alike regardless of color or class, that judges impartially between rich and poor, powerful and powerless, even in extremists between humanity and God. The law that links God, its giver, to us, its interpreters. The law that alone allows freedom to coexist with order, so that my freedom is not bought at the cost of yours. Small wonder, then, that there are so many Jewish lawyers. <laughs>